0: Well, I'm so glad all of you are here. I want you to go in your Bible with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. welcome to welcome to 2024. I'm so excited about the day. I was ready to start preaching a lot earlier because uh, I really know and I believe with all my heart, God has spoke to me and I'm here to challenge you this morning about this year. You know, the year 2024, I believe, I just, I'm going to tell you what I believe, what I feel in my heart as I have asked God about it, Uh, I believe it's going to be a year of great ups and downs. And one thing that you better be prepared for, it's, you know, we love living on the mountain, but we really don't know how to deal with valleys and, but you're going to have to embrace both of them. But if you'll stay focused on Jesus, I, I believe you're going to get through it. I also heard the other day, just out of the clear blue, I believe this is going to be a year of incredible miracles. And and I know we all love hearing that. We love talking about miracles. I do. Uh, But I got to thinking about when miracles took place. The atmosphere wasn't always conducive in my mind for a miracle to happen. Matter of fact, it's usually in a moment of great darkness, a moment of great trouble, a moment of great difficulty, that God would show up and a miracle would take place. For example, uh, like the woman that's getting ready to die. She's down to her last meal. She's got just a little bit of cornmeal left and she's going to make a cake for her and her son. And this is what the Word said in 2 Kings. She's going to die. She's ready to throw in the towel. She's going to die. This is all I got. And God shows up. Through the, prophet, through the prophet Elijah. And then Elijah has the audacity to say to her, Hey, I want you, before you die, fix me a meal first. And the moment she did that, her meal barrel never run out. We could see the man, I'm preaching to you, you don't even know it yet. We could see the man at the the gate, beautiful, it was a day like any other day. He's been sitting there with a can in his hand hoping that somebody would drop something in his can. This day wasn't any unlike any other except now there's two Holy Ghost-filled individuals that walk by them and all of a sudden Peter discerns something and he speaks to the man, silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. So if you and I think that miracles can only happen when the worship is high, when everything is right, when we're in the church, you may miss a miracle. Because I believe miracles are around us all the time. I, I was going to share this later. I'll just throw it in now. I, I've been listening to a, a new pastor that we're, we, I'd love to connect with, haven't got talked to him, uh, he, up, up in Seattle, Washington. Their church up there, evidently, he's a young guy, I'd say he's in his 40s, and and evidently got a couple of different campuses over around the Seattle area and must have needed a new building. And God spoke to him and said, I'm going to give you a place. I'm going to show you a place. And told him what side of town, had no clue it was going to come up. And one day, in a moment's time, this was only two months ago before the first of the year. A building opened up. He had no clue that this building was available. 106,000 plus square feet of building. That's a lot of building. And they needed an offering. And I mean, this quick things begin to unfold. And within just a matter of of a few days or a week, his body came together. Listen to this. The church got together. They raised money and a miracle offering of $6 million came in for them to acquire that building. Now, that's not the whole story. Not only did they acquire the building... They're going to have service in it at the first of the year. They had to go in, paint everything on the outside, on the inside, had to clean carpets, had to, had to straighten up the chairs, get everything back in order. Evidently, the building had been sitting empty for a while and things moved around and they had to change bulbs, they had to deal with plumbing and they'd done all of this in one week's time and had their first service last week. Can you imagine? I'm telling you to expect God to do some great things. Look for miracles. I know some of you are believing for things. I am. There's things I'm believing for personally. Things I believe in for this church. I don't know how. I'm just going to dare to believe God. One of our core values is that we believe in a God without limits. There's nothing that he can't do. I'm just not really afraid to ask Him to do it for me. Sometimes my flesh gets in the way and I say it like this, Lord, now you know I've dedicated myself to you and my family. And all our life is about you. Therefore, what I'm really doing, I'm justifying my reason to asking God to do it for me. But He really doesn't need my justification. What He does need is my faith to believe that He can do what I ask. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, he can do it. Just believe him for it. This year is also, most all the prophets are declaring this and saying it, that this is the year of the open door. So if you're going through a door, you're going into another season. You're going into another room. If you and I would look at our houses, I don't know, most of us have you, you know, here probably have a house, have at least two or three bedrooms, a living room, a kitchen, a, a, a utility room, a garage. We, most of us have something like that. May not everybody, but most of us sh- should. If I walk out of my living room and go into my bedroom, there's two different rooms with two different activities. And sometime if God is saying, I'm sending you opening a door and he's putting you in another room, you got to expect activities going to be different. It's not going to look like the living room. I, I went. Me and Diane went to the movie the other night. I don't know why we do this. It's interesting at the movie. It was a great movie, you ought to go see it. I think it's called Men in a Boat, a great movie. And, and I'm sitting there, of course you know the theater is renovated over the last few uh, years. So you go in, sit down in this big recliner, And everybody throws their feet up. This is how I think. Why do we do that? I didn't. Everybody else when there was. I don't think I've ever had. It's just not comfortable for me. And it's an interesting thing how that everything is trying to appease our flesh to get you to keep coming back to it to make you comfortable to receive, to to enjoy everything. is there Nothing really wrong with that because that's how we are driven. It's how we're moved. Uh, but I didn't go out and get in my car and prop my feet up. Because when I left the theater, everything changed. When you go from one room to another, things are going to change. Look at your neighbor and say, things change. Now, I'm preaching to you uh, we started a message last week uh, that I got while I was sitting with the pastor friend a, number, a couple of months ago. And he was telling me about a church in Louisiana. And as he was telling me about this great church and how it was impacting uh, their community and their city, he said, this is what the church began to be known. Oh, that church. That church. And when he said that, man, that thundered in me. Because that's always been my prayer. It's God, I don't care if they know the name on the sign, but may they know that church. Because if they know it is as that church, they know something is happening. They know maybe that's where they can find God. They'll encounter the Lord. There could be numbers of reasons to be that church. I had a pastor friend here in town and... He's got an incredible young man on his staff that we've known for a good, good while. Ever since, really, we come to Cape Girardo, and me and Pastor was having lunch, and these were the words of Pastor. He said, "He is that guy." I thought, "What do you mean he is that guy? He's the guy that everybody wants." He's the guy that that makes things happen. He's the guy that when people come, they encounter something. And he said, that, that guy is now a part of my staff. You couldn't prime out of pastor's hands. Because he's that guy. And I believe that we're to be that church. I often pray. I told you a while ago, I pray, God, I don't care if they know my name. And I also pray like this. Lord, when I stand before this people today, I pray they don't see me, but they see you. And I pray they don't hear me, but they hear you. So I'm expecting one day somebody to tell me at the end of, Hey, Pastor, where were you this morning? Because they won't see me. They'll see the Lord. They'll hear the Lord. That ought to be the aspiration. That ought to be the anticipation, the expectation of everybody in the room. I'm talking about this year. We're going to be that church. That's our vision. That's our goal. That's our dream. That we're going to impact our community as that church. Now, I've preached, I've been pastoring, thinking about this for the last couple of days. I've been pastoring for at least, I I think I'm in my 42nd year of pastoring. It's a long time. 40 something years. I wasn't, yeah, thank you. 26 and working into our 27th year has been here among you. And many of you have been with me from the very beginning. Now, one thing I always prided myself on from the very beginning when I started ministering, I would never go to that pulpit without having a word from God. I'm not a sermonizer. I'm not just somebody that can grab somebody's book and and go at it. As much as I love the Bible, you would think you could just open it up and I couldn't, you know, Pastor Scott down here, he can just open it up in Revelation flow. So does Miss Amanda. They see some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen. I think, how do y'all see that? I read that story. That didn't tell me that. And I remember in those first years, see, I I always felt like this. The Bible says, uh, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So my challenge is, you don't need me to sermonize you. You got to hear something from heaven because you don't know what you're going to face this week. I want to give you something I believe that you can hold on to. That's always been my heart, my, my desire, my push. Uh, Charlie has traveled with me out of, the, out of the country on several different occasions. Some of the others in here have too. I, I do the same thing when I go there. And I've done it night after night. I'm saying, oh God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? What do you want to say? Man, in them early days, it was rough. I had to take my daughter-in-law to the airport the other day. She had to fly to be with her family for a few days and... We were chatting, and I was telling her about my early days of ministry. You know, back there, I was working a full-time job. I'm preaching. Y'all just listen, all right? I'm going to give you something to walk with. Yeah, thank you. I, so, so back in those days, I worked full-time and pastored a church. All at the same time, worked for the power company. And, uh, man, that's tough. And so, weekends, I don't even know if we had a weekend. Because weekends were like this for me. I'm thinking about Sunday morning. And we had Sunday night service. And we had Wednesday night. And maybe a special night in between those that I'm going to have to preach. And man, I'm telling you what, Saturday comes along, ain't nothing flowing. Holy Ghost, what do you want? What do you want, God? What do you want, God? Anybody ever been there but me? I said, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? My pastor used to tell us like this. When you don't know what to say, just preach Jesus. And then I found out that's still difficult because all I can say is Jesus. Jesus. I'd be up in the, uh, up in the night, my, my night's dying would tell you I'd go to bed, you know, at 10 o'clock, I'd be in the bed because I'm going to be up at 4, if not earlier, on my face before God, crying out to the Lord, kneeling at, the, kneeling at my couch, God, give me something for these people today. Give me something for this people. And you don't know how many days I got so frustrated, I just threw my Bible down and said, it's your service, you do what you want. And nothing would come until I walked in the door. And many times, nothing would come until I walked on the platform. Now, I don't encourage anybody to live that way. But that's the way it's happened for me. Now, as I've matured, things have become a lot easier. Thank you, Jesus. I get to sleep most of the night through Saturday night. But there's been times that I have prepared things all week long, only to walk into the place. And God said, not this morning. And so I've got to bring something else. And I haven't even had time to study it out. See, you guys don't even know it. And so here, I've gone through this. I'm saying all of that to say to you, after 40-something years uh, uh, of preaching that way and of being committed to you, the body of Christ, as I go into 2024, I am making a fresh dedication to you. I am not about to change how God has used my life in hearing His voice and bringing what God wants this house to have. Now wait a minute, that's not to say we don't plan. We had a planning meeting the other night with some leaders, talked about the year. Things that we would love to see. Our last conversation, or last part of that is, everything is subject to Holy Ghost. You need to understand that. God's not against planning. Matter of fact, He's not against these guys. I, stood, I preached against the guys that take the calendar at the first of the year. They have every message lined up for the whole year. The only reason I have it, it just doesn't work that way for me. I don't. It's how God uses them. My wife will tell me after being at the, uh, going to the TV station from the time to time and doing. And you know, you saw her up here. I just told, her, hey, you want to help me do announcements this morning? So I don't give her any information. I just expect she's going to flow. So she comes up, and I kind of embarrass her because she's looking at me, and I'm looking at her. It was always fun having her in the head of uh, Julie Nolan at TCT. Sorry, Julie, if you're watching me. But many times we do live TV and they're on the set with me and they're looking at me. And I'm, are y'all going to say something? Because I can run with this program if you want me to. But it's the nature. Some people can't do it that way. But I'm committing myself to you that I'm going to stay before God no matter what. And I want to hear the voice of the heart of the Father so that we can bring to you everything that God has. But there may be things that look to you. Pastor, you sure? Hang on. We're going to follow the Lord. Matter of fact, I am committed to this thing. I'm committed to the greatest year that we have ever, ever had. I'm committed to God. I want to be fully committed to his purpose. I believe there's a great harvest out there to reach. And my intent is to go after it and to reach it and to see it come in. And not one person, one person that you and I are responsible for that we lose them. You and I, I'm asking you for the same commitment in this room. I'm asking you if I can stand before God that way as a body. I want you to hear me. Hear me. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, hear him. him. So I'm going to ask something of you. I'm going to ask you to follow me. I'm asking you to follow me. Paul said it. I might as well be bold enough to do it. Follow me. As I follow Christ. Follow me. As I follow Christ. I'm not only asking you to follow me. I'm asking you to get in agreement with me. Because if you're not in agreement with me. We're going at each other. And we don't need that. And we can't accomplish anything through that. But I need you to follow me. I need you to agree with me. I need you to add your faith to my faith, believing that God is doing something amazing in our church and through our church, and He's going to use us to impact this city. Hello? I'm not asking you to understand everything. I'm just asking you to agree with me. Because there's a lot of things that we don't agree with. Over the past couple years, three years, are y'all okay? I'm preaching a lot better than y'all looking at me. Believe me. Uh, over the last few three years, there's been a word that's been spoke over and over this house, and it's been something different. And it's this: I'm giving you a strategy. I'm giving you a strategy. Put that definition up there for me if you don't mind. Uh, you need to write this down. Here's what a strategy is. It's a plan of action or policies designed to achieve a major aim or an overall goal. There's a purpose behind every strategy. I don't know if you did. I watched a game last night. I thought, first of all, I wouldn't been out there playing too cold. But those guys had a strategy. In the minute when things were hard, can you imagine how hard that ball was? At 11 below zero. Can you imagine an icy cold field? Falling on that? Running as fast as you can and somebody tackling you. And you feel like you're breaking every bone from the top of your head to your soles to your feet. But they had a strategy going into the game. One of the teams played in the cold many times. The other team from Miami only knew the warmth. Yeah, they have played in it, but not like Kansas City. There was a strategy. And hey, by the way, guys, if you know something, most of the time the strategy was coming from the rooms up above, not from what was going on in the field. Because there's guys up there that sees things we don't see. I went, to a, I went to a ball game in SEMO a number of years ago. I know I've told you this. It was a basketball game. And it was right after I'd come to, come, come to Cape. Somebody took me there. And we're sitting up midway, middle court, sitting up midway. And I don't even remember who SEMO was playing. Man, they're going at it up there. And the guy next to me, he was screaming and hollering at the refs. Oh, you blew that car. I mean, he was just going at it. I sat in there. I finally said, dude, will you shut up? I can't even enjoy this game. And I got to thinking about that. I said, wait a minute. First of all, you and I are 25 feet above the floor. He's down in the land of the giants. And he can't see everything the way you and I see it. And sometimes the one from above sees things that you and I can't see because we're in the midst of everything. So God gives strategy and there's a plan. If you follow it, he'll get us to the goal line. You know, all through the Bible, God used strategy and it never made sense. Sometimes it never does. Think about this for a moment. God's gonna cleanse the earth from from all the wickedness in Genesis chapter six. So he talks to a guy by the name of Noah to build a boat in a time when there hadn't even been a rain or hadn't even been a flood. I don't know if the, if the what, what, is, what is the new new cruise ship uh, icon of the seas was even thought about. And God has him out here building a boat and it takes him 120 years to build it. But God is getting ready to cleanse the earth so that a righteous seed can come forth. Think about this: a whole army come up against Israel. And 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 Jehoshaphat in Israel is is crying before the Lord God. You gotta help us, and here's what God does. Okay, I'm going to send your musicians out front. Boy, that makes a lot of sense. Got some tuba player and he's going after a guy with a sword and a spear. Put the choir out front. Have them sink, Boy, that'll get you somewhere. All right. This whole approaching army, they're coming on ships. They got their spears. They got their swords. They got their bows and arrows. And the people of God are just standing back for the Lord is good. And his mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. And over and over and over, they kept singing that. And God gave Israel a great victory with a strategy that didn't make sense to the natural mind. Hello, you better hear what I'm saying. You know, many times, let me throw this in here. Many times we want to see something great. I got a revelation for you. We want to see great things. We talk about great things. We believe great things. But sometimes we don't see great things. Why? And many of us will say, boy, the devil's really fighting. Got news for you. It's not the devil many times. Many times it's just us. And we're fighting against the very things of God. We're fighting against the move of God because we can't see it. We can't comprehend it. We don't understand it. That's why there's times that you just got to be willing. God, I'm trusting you, or you would have never got there. I don't know that I would have called the 12 guys that Jesus called to follow him tax collectors, guys that were hot headed, messed up, and he said, I'm going to use those guys right there to change the world. Think about, think about this picture. Oh, I could give you so many illustrations through the Bible, but it just seems to be how God, how God works. He has a strategy to accomplish something that's far greater than what you and I could ever see if we'll just trust it. Are you okay? Eyeballs are going everywhere today. But I'm challenging you i 'm challenging you to follow there was a city that Israel was getting ready to take their 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 take their promised land. It was first guarded. they had to go through Jericho in a city that you could have probably rode chariots across the top of it, and God gives us some brilliant idea. walk around it six days and don 't say a word here 's how most of us do it. Okay, I'm going to obey God, but I really don't like this. This is stupid. It ain't going to work. I don't like it. I don't understand it. I don't see it. And before long, what you're doing, remember, number six is a number of flesh. You'll talk yourself out of where God really wants you to be. And I've watched God do, I've watched the enemy do that to people. All he could work with was what they had. And he comes in because he really can't make us do anything, but he can convince us that God has a better way and I'm the better way. And so I begin to do my thing instead of following God. Why is it through the Bible that God's always challenging his people to be together? And that's become our motto here, that we are better together. Some things have closed. You know, the greatest enemy of where we want to be for us, especially more older in the group, has been our past. It's the greatest enemy I've got, the moves that I've been in. Miss Amanda, here lately over last year, I spent more time. God, thank you for allowing me to walk there. See, I remember years ago coming up, Pentecost, when the charismatic movement came in. And and Miss Tanya, I love what you do. but, But you know, the greatest song we had back there was, The Holy Ghost will set your feet to dancing. The Holy Ghost will fill you through and through. And those were scripture songs that we would use back there. And then we left our hymn book. And we went to the overhead projector on the wall. Oh my goodness! We left it and we started. I I remember going to one of the first meetings that we ever saw any really charismatic dancing. Because, see, I come from Pentecostal shouting, running the aisles, almost doing flip flops. I I mean, boy, we, we were good aisle runners. And I remember I was invited to a meeting. We took our church. Man, that clock goes fast. We, we, We took our church to this little meeting in Illinois. One of the first charismatic pastors was him and his church. And they were very prophetic people. And I had a roll of people lined up about like that. And we were sitting about middle ways. There wasn't a whole lot of people there. And the pastor invited this, this other church to come. And, and we were there. And he said, they're going to lead us in worship tonight. And we're going to turn it over to them. Let them lead the service. There was a young man sitting in front of us. Sitting, all I could see was from his back. He had a flannel shirt on. He had long matted hair. I don't think I ever saw his face for a moment. Service starts. And they weren't singing out of a hymnal. And they weren't doing songs that I'd ever heard. And they had a real beat to it. And they had a rock to it. And all of a sudden, them people are dancing like this. I can't jump or I would. <laughs> Some of you used to do it when I got here. And they were jumping up and down. And all of a sudden, I'm, I looked down our roll at the people that was with me. And this is how everybody was. <laughs> we had never engaged in anything like that. Until that young man spinned around. And he spun around. I couldn't tell you the features of his face. But all I could tell you was he was aglow with the Holy Ghost. It was though light was shining out of his eyes. I looked back down the roll, And everybody was weeping. Because we had encountered God in a way we had never seen Him before. And that started us on a journey. I started driving to that church from Paducah up in West Frankfort, Illinois. Remember, we had an old school bus. You remember that, Diane? Jan Painter, prophet, was, you know, that's been here. That's where some of the places we got acquainted with her. It was snowing to beat the band. That means it's snowing really hard. And I had a van load of people, a bus load, an old school bus, and I'm driving. And it's snowing so hard, I had to pull over to clear the windshield. But everybody in the place was excited. We're going to go encounter. And we begin to encounter God in ways we never dreamed. Now, it didn't make what I, where I was bad. But we learned there's something more happening than what we were seeing. God had a strategy that was leading us into places that opened doors for us with the prophetic Kim Clement. Many of you have heard of Prophet Kim. We were one of the first churches basically in the region that he came into. And many others, we got to be a part of different moves. But I noticed there were times where I was in this flow. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, what happened with that? Nothing happened. It was just a new day. God was doing some new things. He he was moving. There's a strategy that God is working on. And I'm encouraging you with everything that I have. This year as we go forward, I don't know how everything is going to look. I, I'm asking you to stay with me. I'm asking you to work with me. I'm asking you, be a participator, not a consumer. You want to know what the difference of those two are? Consumers, it's all about them. But participators, it's all about the vision and what God is going to do and is doing. I'm encouraging you, be a Participator. Brother Steve was here a, week ago, a little over a week ago. He gave us four don'ts. He kind of confirmed the message even for me and he didn't even know what I was going to preach. He said this. I think we have them put up on the, uh, on the back wall for you. I think they are. The four don'ts. Don't accept Christ. Follow him. Here's the second one. Don't read your Bible. Study your Bible. Here's the third one. Don't just pray. Ask Holy Spirit how you're to pray. Here's the last one. Don't go to church. Be the church. In my remaining time, I want you to go with me real quick to Matthew 24. These are some of the last words of Jesus in the last days of his life before he would go to the cross. In Matthew 24, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples come up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, Do you not see all of these things? And surely I say to you that not one stone shall be left here upon another, that, that shall not be thrown down. Isn't it interesting? Last week I talked to you about last words, and I gave you the last instructions that Jesus had given to the church. He'd given to the church at that time. It's interesting to me. Jesus just comes out of the temple. And everybody's excited about the temple. Even the disciples were. I don't know which one of these asked, but they were excited about the temple. You and I have to understand the culture of the day. The temple was their source of life. The temple was everything to them. And he said, they're so excited. Look at all that we have done. Boy, that's how most of us live. Look at what we've done. Look at what we've experienced. Jesus, don't you see it? And Jesus stops. And he said, what do you see in a sense? He said, I'm telling you, not one of these stones are going to be left upon another. Why? Because he said a new day is on the scene. There's something new coming, and it's not. in what we've done yesterday or years past, yes, I love it. I will take nothing from it, but it is only a platform to keep moving me into something greater. I love what Miss Kelsey was saying about the generations, that some of us have had encounters that they really want to hear about, they want to know about. But we're too busy with ourselves in order to give it to them to be able to encounter Christ. And they may not do it the way I did it. I noticed something this morning when I came in. Uh, I picked my son up. I came in early today, real early. And I picked my son Chad up because he was on my way. And I said, come in with me. Now, when I got dressed this morning, I dressed to be warm. I'm hot, really. And I dressed to be warm. And I got my heaviest top coat that I could get. My car's in the garage, but I still put it on. So I pull up to Chad's door. Here comes Chad out. Cup in one hand, something else in the other. I I said, don't you have a coat? I mean, the dude didn't have a coat. Oh, yeah, it's over there in the car. And he doesn't even have a garage. Pull up to the church. My other son pulls up. Jared, guy playing bass. Jared gets out of the car. Hey, son. I said, don't you have a coat? Don't need it. Then I notice half the younger people in this room don't have a coat. Miss Amanda, she's... (sighs) She's loving it. Miss Adrian over here on the other hand, she's hating it. Y'all pray for them. Now think about this. I thought, I got this coat on. I'm really not cold. But they don't even think about it. They just show up. They don't do it the way I do it. I'd say get your coat and gloves, put your hat on. That's the way we send them out to play in the snow. We didn't have boots. Put how many of you put Walmart bags around their feet? And you know, after fifteen pairs of socks, you couldn't even get shoes in. I, I, I've noticed something about us as grandparents. Our grandkids don't dress like we do. And if you opened up your closet and said to your granddaughter or grandson, just come and take whatever you want, you won't get a visit. That's the truth. Think about this. I saw some of you post your kids on on Facebook. Prom night. They go out and get a new dress. It's not the dress you went to prom in. It didn't go to the floor and it didn't have ruffles around the neck and around the sleeves. But they go to prom, I guess you call it a dress. (laughs) It's kind of cut low, it comes up pretty high, and it fits really tight. And I watch you say, Isn't she beautiful? Isn't it amazing what we accept and reject and how we move and hope I'm making a point to you. So Jesus said this way of life is getting ready to come down because I'm going to be the center of it all. And he answers their questions as worship team starts moving back. He asks he answers their questions. So when he said that, they said, okay, God, then tell us when it will be the sign of your coming. And when will be the end of all things? And Jesus goes through, and here's what he says. Guys, I'm not going to read all of them, but he said, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Four or five times is going to be one of the greatest things happening in the end times is deception. We're being deceived everywhere we looked if we're not careful. And then he turns around and he says something like this. Right in the middle of it. And I believe it's the key verse of the whole chapter. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel shall be preached to all nations. Then shall the end come. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. you know what God is really interested in? Is that world that doesn't know Him? It's the young people, it's the moms and dads, it's the people that we see around us, that we work with, that don't know the Lord. He is far more interested to them than you and I worrying about His coming. Oh, he's going to come. He's going to come. But my Bible said he's not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. Let me land my jet with this this morning. Remember this gospel of the kingdom. See, we can preach kingdom stuff, but if we're not doing it, we're still we're still missing. And most of us preach a message we don't know how to live out. So John came in the book of. In the book of Matthew chapter 3, as everything would start about Jesus, John came saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Chapter 4, verse 17. Jesus is on the scene. Here's the message. Repent, as Jesus went about. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So wait a minute. This kingdom must be very important for us to look at. So what is a kingdom? Simple rule. A kingdom is nothing more than the rule of God. That's all it's just very simple form. It's the rule of Christ in the earth. He said, I'm coming. And in that kingdom, people can be well. In that kingdom, people can find hope. In that people, people can be set free. In that kingdom people can be totally restored and redeemed to be what they were always intended to be no matter what has happened to their life so where I got to get to is the kingdom so where is it well Luke's gospel said this the kingdom is without observation in other words this is what he's saying They would have knew the temple. Did you ever hear the verse out of Matthew that says, A city set on a hill cannot be hid. What was he talking about? He was really talking about the city of Zion with the temple in the midst of it, whose top glowed as the sun would rest upon it, because it was visible if you were anywhere around Jerusalem city set on a hill can't be hid but then jesus said wait a minute you can't see it yeah you can he was just alluding it's not that temple do you realize that temple had been torn down destroyed several different times over history and rebuilt even one point he said as they were this don't look nothing like it started does it and he asked this serious question what do you see now But then God says, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Think about it for a moment. So wait a minute. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. But Matthew 16 says, Matthew 16 says, as Peter said, as Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You've heard the story. And Jesus said, you've heard well done. For upon this, I will build my church, Peter. Wait a minute. I thought he was preaching a kingdom. And now he's talking about a church. Because here's the picture. This is why this is so important. This is why this house is so important. This is why our gathering is so important. This is why you are important. Because the church really isn't this building. The church is you and I. I got Chad up here this morning with a hat on. Nice lid, buddy. You look good. You wear it well. I got Josh over there with what I'd call a sock cap or a sock bucket. I got some of you dressed in many different ways. Some of you with hoodies, some without. Some got your coats on. Some got your lid pulled up over your head. That's the church. It's so variety. I could play checkers on Amanda. Sorry, Amanda, I'm picking on you today. I love you. looks so different, right? I see somebody back there. I think the only guy in the room in a suit and tie this morning. The other day I come in and one of our sisters kind of right back where I'm pointing. She had so much bling on. These lights were being knocked out in my eyes. Oh my, what a variety in this house. God said, this is my church. Why is the church so important? I wish this was my revelation. It's not, it's with the same guy that talked to me about the church in Louisiana. He's in the room, so I'll give him credit. He said, because the church is the touch of the master. The church is the touch of Jesus. That's why it's so important. And that's why we've got to really see the purpose of God. Because if we don't, we'll just be the building. And God said, my world needs touched. And everybody's touch is different. Everybody needs a little something different. But we're to be the hands and the feet. I, I was I've been planning to get I got three parables to give you. I, i'm I'm going to have to preach. i'm I'm pushing this message out another week, maybe two or three. But you and I are to be an extension of Jesus to a world that's hurting, to be the touch. That's why we stress connection in this place. Thank you, Larry and Tina, for what you're doing. Roger and Debbie, you're out in the country. You guys are doing the same thing. Thank you. Thank you, life group leaders in here, for what you're doing. You're giving an opportunity maybe to get people in the door that we would never get in the door. Maybe we would never be able to talk to. It's just a strategy to be able to touch people to reach a generation. And believe me, moms and dads, we could look and say, I heard somebody, this world's going to go to hell in a handbasket. No, it's not. Not as long as you and I will work with Jesus. I sat with a dear friend this week for a few moments and I'm closing. It's the way preachers do 14 times. I hope you've been encouraged. And I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm, I'm making a strong point been in church I guess all their life grew up in a certain denomination they believe greatly in that denomination I don't guess there's anything wrong with that but I would call that the, that the denomination stopped reaching a long time ago and so most of its churches have become very, very small. You know, there is this saying that if you talk to some people, somebody challenged my heart recently or said something to me, but you're changing the gospel. No, I'm not. The gospel and the message will never change. But the methods, the materials, and the tools can. Can. But the method never changes and I said listen to this guy after many many years and I've done this several times with them I've listened to the pain of his heart and the cry of his heart holding on to something of yesterday that had was really not giving life but to anybody but the few and I say few the four or five that would go into the church and the reason they're going is because they're all of that same denomination. Again, I'm not pressing against the denomination. I'm just saying, guys, have y'all figured out life changes? I change. You change. I asked Pastor Val. By the way, they're doing well. I'm doing better. Love you guys. I know they're watching us today. And... Uh, I asked him some time ago, I said, Pastor, he was a builder years ago. I don't know if you knew that. Built homes. Scott's a builder. Several in this room may have do that. I, I, I said, Pastor, if you went back to building today, would you do it the same way? He said, Pastor, it's being done so greatly different. Oh yeah, there's certain things that never change. He probably was in the day, just beat a claw hammer to death. God over there has got guns. Just puts it up. Or he had men pulling up on a rope. Now they bring in a crane. Many, many different facets that happen over life car salesmen back there. I know uh, Roger's got some. You ought to go, you ought to get a part of his life group and just go check out his farm. Miss Debbie drives up. What is that you drive, Miss Debbie? Is it that old car you have? Model A. It don't even have a top. Don't even have an air conditioner. I can't even get in it. I tried. I don't want to go back there. But that was a good old day. And that's a good memory. And you know what? It's got value. And we love to look at it. But I'm one of these that think bigger better. Man, I want big. I want air conditioning. I want a heater. I want, man, the most comfort that I possibly can get. Life just brings changes. How many of you remember? I'm trying to shut up. How many of you remember? I told you I was full today, man. How many of you remember? How many of you remember the phones on the walls? Okay. Keep that hand up just a moment. I'm going to look around. Okay. I I noticed most of those under 30 didn't. Let me ask you, how many of you know how to operate one of these? A lot less hands up now. No, I, I... I'm not talking about just making a call. I'm talking how many would do your banking? How many could do some research? How many? Look around the room. Not all increased. Well, Pastor, I'm not into technology. Yes, you are more than you realize. Because you can't even watch your TV without it. You can't hardly go get a meal. My friend back there, what's his name on the. What's your name, Matt? That's him. He's working in a new place in St. Louis. He's telling me all about it. Three shifts. Three shifts of people working. One of the shifts is nothing but robots. Wow! Who would have ever thought about that? Robots working through the night, doing what men were doing through the day. Our world has changed. No matter how much I like it, it's going to keep changing. And I'm here to tell you God is moving. And God's not moved by the things that moves you. I believe God's moved by faith. And God's moved by agreement. And He's moved by somebody that's passionate about what's on His heart. And I believe God is passionate about a generation. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about young people. I'm talking about every person that's got breath on this planet right now. It's a generation that God's not willing to lose one of them. And that's what He wants for us. So as we go into 24, I'm asking you as you stand to your feet, I'm asking you to do one thing for me. I'm asking you in this time of fasting that you get before the Lord and you really give yourself to God and say, God, empty out of me as we sang a little bit earlier. Empty out of me the things that have got to go and yet fill me with the things I need to be filled with. Lord, help me to see what I need to see in this hour. Help me to embrace you, God. You'd be surprised how much aught gets into a time when it does me. I have to do this all the time. God, I don't want this in my heart. But I'm challenging us as a body to be that church. You that couldn't make it today, I'm talking to you as well. I'm asking us to commit ourselves fully to the purpose of God in 2024. And that I'm going to help and I'm going to touch. And I'm going to encourage somebody along the journey. And I'm going to help them walk out their life with Jesus. And if you haven't started in this room, I want to help you. Because there's not a one of you in this room today by chance. You're here by the hand of God. It's amazing to me over the years, I've had people say to me, God led me here. But when they exit, they never tell me that. They just exit on their own because God led me. Well, if God led you, He already knew what you were walking into before you ever got here. He led you to this place. I believe he has brought us together for such a time as this and I know we're not the only church in town and we're standing with every church through this community we're gonna make a difference in our city how many of you I'm gonna ask you boldly how many of you will say pastor I'm gonna dedicate myself to the purpose of God this year like I never have I want you to boldly lift your hand if you're gonna do it now you know what that's gonna mean right If you're in this place this morning, you put them down and you're in this place and you've never said yes to Jesus, this is the moment. This is the time, friend, for you to give your heart and your life to Jesus. We believe in miracles in this place. I'm going to have some altar workers. I want you to come right now. I want you to come. If you've got a need in your life, as we walk out this door, it's 1132. But if you've got a need in your life and you're believing, you need healing, you need a miracle in your life or something, maybe you need Christ to be Lord of your life. I want you to step from your seat right now as we get ready to walk out this door. We're going to be up here. I'm going to be up here. We're going to pray and we're going to believe for you right now in the name of Jesus. Throw your hands up to the Lord. Father, I thank you. God, I have brought to this people that you put my heart and my spirit I have brought to this people Your Word. And I pray, God, as we walk out 2024, we're going to be the church. Father, we're not going to be caught, we're not going to be trapped, because the devil cannot stop Your people. The gates of hell will not prevail over Your church. So if it stops, it's not going to be because of the devil, it's going to be because of us. But I'm surrendering, God, I fully give myself to You for this year. God, like I never have before. God, the areas that I struggle understanding and seeing what you're doing, I pray that you give me wisdom and give me revelation of it, Father. Help me to understand. Help me, God, to stand in agreement with my brothers and sisters in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you want prayer for anything, I want you to come. If not, we love you guys. Get your coat back on. It's cold outside. It hadn't warmed up much. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday morning. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. Invite somebody to come back with you.